everyone. You're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastors Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. These next few minutes together can change your life, and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. You might be wondering right now why we have a toilet center stage. That's a pretty good question. It's a toilet, and it's right here, front and center. That reminds me of a story. Lisa and I got invited to this beautiful resort by a friend of ours, and we hung out there for several hours. We were lying out in the sun, and the beautiful people were at this resort, the yachts, the whole jet set club, and I had these sunglasses on, these wraparound black sunglasses. No one could see my eyes. Well, this friend wanted Lisa and I to meet some of her friends, so She called for a lady who was walking way down the beach and this lady turned and began to walk toward us. And guys, this girl was a showstopper. I'm talking about unbelievable. She would embarrass any Victoria's Secret model. She had on a bikini and I've seen more cotton in an aspirin bottle than the bathing suit she had on anyway. You might be going, Ed, what were you thinking? What was going through your mind when you saw this woman approaching? Because again, Lisa couldn't see my eyes. This girl couldn't see my eyes. It was the perfect setup because I'm a normal guy, normal red-blooded guy like all of you, and we're, we're regular people. So, so I was thinking to myself, wow, <laughs> unbelievable. I didn't articulate those words, but I was thinking, Guys, I'm pretty smart. I was thinking those words. What do you do when you have a scenario like that? Because do you simply appreciate the beauty or do you go to a place called Las Vegas? When we go to Las Vegas and live in that place, Las Vegas has a way of living in us. I'm in a series called Leaving Las Vegas. Las Vegas is a destination. It's a very popular one that many people travel to regularly. As you look around the horizon of our culture, pornography and pornography and lust are interchangeable. Pornography is a multi-billion dollar industry. What? 11 billion a year is spent on prostitution. Five billion a year is spent on the kennel clubs, I mean, I, mean, I mean topless clubs. Oh, I'm sorry, gentlemen's clubs. Three billion a year on child pornography. Why is this so? A damaged chromosome, low SAT scores, we don't have enough education. What's the deal? The deal is we have this southward, downward gravitational pull called sin. Now, I want to say something right up front. When I talk about lust, I'm not talking about just desire. Desire is not lust, nor lust is desire. Desire and desires have been given to us by God himself. We have the desire, for example, to eat. We have the desire to drink. We have the desire to relate. My desire to eat occurs because I get hungry. My desire to drink occurs because I get thirsty. My desire to connect with someone happens when I get lonely. So a desire, desires are God-given. 
The way we steward our desire determines our destiny, and our destiny determines our desire. So a desire is God-given, the desire for sex. That's God-given. We should thank God for sex. God gave us sex before sin ever entered into the human equation. Lust happens when this desire goes haywire. Lust happens when an attraction segues into an illicit sexual action that's mental, emotional, or physical. We're talking about lust, when the desire is downgraded into depravity, when we see someone as an object with parts for our sexual gratification. That was the temptation that I faced when I saw the lady at the resort. What do I do? What do you do? I mean, you might have to ask yourself this question about this whole situation. Where was this girl coming from by the way she was dressed? I don't know. Was she insecure? Probably. Was she trying to impress others? Probably. I don't know if she knew where she was coming from, but I knew where the enemy was coming from, and I was able to realize what was happening in this scenario. What do you do? Lust is everywhere. It used to be that we could find lust. We had to go looking for lust. Now lust will search us down. We have to develop a strategy, an offensive strategy and a defensive strategy when it comes to lust. If you have your Bibles, you might want to turn to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, because the book of Genesis talks a lot about who we are. So many people, I would argue, are, are living life in total confusion. They're living their sexual lives in total confusion. Well, well, God clears the confusion up as we read his word in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. It says, God spoke, let us, us, that's interesting, God, us, yeah, I'll talk about it in a second. Let us make human beings in our image, making them reflecting our nature so they can be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, the cattle, and yes, earth itself, and every animal that moves on the face of the earth. Us, that's the Trinity, the Holy Trinity. That's who God is, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We're made in God's image. We're Trinitarians. We have a mind, a soul, and a body. That's why when it comes to sex, it's a Trinitarian thing. It's a mind thing, it's a body thing, and a soulish thing. We cannot park certain aspects of the Trinity outside the bedroom or outside of the room where we're searching internet pornography or outside of the back seat of a car while we're engaged in illicit sexual behavior that's mental, emotional, or physical. This text tells me something phenomenal, too, in Genesis chapter 1. It tells me that I'm not an animal. <laughs> That's a shock, I know, for a lot of people. Our world says, oh, yeah, you're just an educated animal. You're just a dog in heat, a salmon in spawn, a deer in rut. That's what we are. We're just animals. No, we're not just animals. We're made in the image of God. 
We're different than the animals. We're fully physical and fully spiritual. That's who we are, and that's whose we are. We're, we're gods. Now, now, this might really rock you. Your body is not your body. My body is not my body. Your body is God's. My body is God's. And if you're married, uh-oh, we go to a holy another level here. If you're married, the scriptures say, your body is your spouse's body. So let's go back to the sands of the resort. Lisa and I were talking to this woman. I had the dark sunglasses on. My body, my eyes, my mind is God's. And also, it's Lisa's. So what right do I have to take God's body, Lisa's body, and to look at someone as an object with parts? Because when we lust, what are we doing? We're turning a human being into an animal. We're stripping them of their humanity and turning them into an animal while we strip ourselves of our humanity and we turn into an animal just for our sexual hit. So again, we're not animals. We're human beings. How many here went to camp while growing up? Everybody? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Most of us went to camp. I went to a camp that was pretty tough because in this camp, if you didn't keep your cabin clean, the camp director would make you drink toilet water. I mean, how cold-blooded was that? And we used to freak out at the prospect of drinking toilet water. Humans aren't made for toilet water. The only things that drink out of toilets are, well, watch this. Yeah, that's one of my Dobermans. Now, we've trained him not to drink out of the toilet. You, you saw it in his eyes, that disobedience kind of like. <laughs> but I kept it in our bathroom long enough to where he could not resist <laughs> the toilet water. And he drank the toilet water. In fact, he just gulped up that commode water. He loved it. He's just a dog, though. We're not dogs, we're humans. Why do we act like dogs? I just can't help myself. I just can't control it. What? You're a child of God. You're made in the image of God. You're fully physical and you're fully spiritual. Our desires are God-given. The way we handle desires determines our destiny. God can give us the strength to handle desire, to steward desire, to leverage lust for greatness. But, but if the truth were known, you know, at Fellowship Church, we want to talk about the truth, the raw and the real. We don't want to kind of, kind of uh, put a veneer on it. We don't want to give you smoke and mirrors. We, we don't want to just say, let's talk about the good stuff, the good stuff, the good stuff, because to get to the good stuff, you've got to talk about the bad stuff. We've got to talk about what the Bible says regarding lust and sexual sin. 
because a lot of us are drinking toilet water. I know, I know this sounds crazy. It's very graphic and it kind of is like, ooh, gross. Yeah, a lot of us, and we don't even know it, are drinking toilet water because the enemy is handing out toilet water to our young people, to so many in our culture, and we're drinking it by the gallons. Now, toilet water will quench your thirst. It will. I mean, let's say, for example, I go for a long run, six, seven miles. I'm like, wow, there's no water in sight. If I dip into our toilet and drink the toilet water, it's going to quench my thirst. Here's what happens, though. If I keep doing it, I'm going to get sick. And if I don't take care of the sickness, I could eventually die. So large blocks of us are drinking toilet water of lust, of porn, of illicit sexual activity that's mental, emotional, or physical, and we think everything is cool because our sexual thirst has been quenched for a season. But we always say more and more and more. Jesus had a conversation with a prostitute in John chapter 4. And here's what Jesus said to her. He started talking about water. Isn't that interesting? He said, everyone, he's talking to her, who drinks this water, he's talking about a water from a well, a man-made cistern, will get thirsty again and again. Anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst, not ever. The water I give will be an artesian spring within, gushing fountains of endless life. Lust is not out there, lust is in here. Lust emerges inside of your life and mine. Well, yeah, our culture has lust and illicit sexual activity. Yeah, but our culture is simply an outward reflection of the inward condition of our heart. Jesus tells me if I drink from his source, if I drink living water, I can have these artesian springs, this well coming from the inside out. I can have my thirst totally and completely quenched when I do desire his way. But if I do desire my way, the way of the enemy, I'm gonna live in a place called Las Vegas. And not only will I live in Las Vegas, Las Vegas will live in me. Let's go back to that situation at the resort. Because lust always follows a very predictable path, doesn't it? And, and, and the enemy has a plan and he works the plan. The first stage of, of lust, and we need to understand this so we can develop an offensive and defensive strategy. The first phase of lust is the tantalize phase. It's the, wow, unbelievable. You say that in your mind, right, to yourself. That's natural. We're made to appreciate beautiful things. I mean, that's just the way it is. You should be going, wow, I'm, I'm happy, Ed, that you appreciate beauty of the opposite sex. That, you should be like, wow. Because if I stood here and go, yeah, this girl came up and I'm like, mm, who cares? You should worry. <laughs> You're gonna see someone who's attractive, great. It's not the first look that gets you into trouble. It's the second and the third and the fourth. Now, one time I made that statement and a young guy walked up to me and he goes, oh, Ed, I've got it figured out now. I can just look at her and just lock in that first look. I just want to, 
No, 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 no. No, no, no. It's that first look. It's fine to say, wow, unbelievable. That's cool to say that. Here's, here's what the book of James says about, about this attraction phase, this tantalized stage. Don't let anyone under pressure to give in to evil say, God's trying to trip me up. God's impervious to evil and puts evil in no one's way. Okay, tantalized. We're all going to be tempted. We need to appreciate beauty. Wow, that man, that woman, they're attractive. Whoa, unbelievable. It should stop there. If it stops there, it's not a sin. It becomes sin, the desire is downgraded into lust when we move into the second stage. What's the second stage? It's the plagiarized stage. <laughs> the enemy has this plan and he works the plan. The plagiarized stage is when, okay, he, he steals something and tries to make it his own. That's what happens when you plagiarize. Every time God has a gift, the enemy has a counter gift, a counterfeit. God says, okay, one man, one woman, in marriage, sexual intercourse should be practiced in the marriage bed. That's what God says, categorically, unequivocally. There's no arguing about it, that's it. One man, one woman, in marriage, boom, you have sex. Well, the evil one comes along and, and he says, okay, God's holding out on you. Come on, have a little toilet water, have a little premarital sex, commit a little adultery, a little homosexuality. That's, 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 that's what he does. Plagiarize. He takes the God-given desire and he encourages us to go haywire with it. He whispers lies to us like, hey, Ed, you're a pastor, dude. You've been faithful to Lisa for 26 years. I mean, you're at this resort. No one knows who you are. Live a little. Just look at the beautiful girl. Come on, undress her with your eyes. It's just, it's just in your mind. Nothing will happen. You won't do anything immoral. It, 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 I'm telling you, just, 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 just do it. Doesn't he begin to lie to us like that? Those, those, those little lies? Just, just log on to this website. I mean, it's, it's, it's just kind of an accidental thing. It's no big deal. Just do it. What would it be like to, to, to be held by him? He, he really understands you. He might say to a young lady or to someone who's married. He, he will really give you security. He really can connect with you unlike this, 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 this other guy. And then we begin to believe these lies. Wow, I guess, I guess that's it. And, and then we do what Lot did back in the book of Genesis, Lot, the, the Bible said, moved toward the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And that's what I've got to ask you, what are you moving toward? Because when we're, when we're tempted by lust, and the temptation is not the sin, the Bible says when you're tempted, in other words, it's gonna happen, we either take the enemy by the hand and allow him to take us to the toilet and we gulp down commode water, or we say, let go of my hand. I'm gonna take the hand of Jesus, the nail-pierced hand, and I'm gonna allow him to take me to a place of grace, a place where, where I can leverage lust and leverage my desire to determine his amazing destiny. We have a choice in the issue. Well, James keeps on going here. 
In verse, in verse 14, James chapter one, talking about plagiarized, the temptation to give in to evil comes from us and only us. But what do we do? We wanna blame, don't we? We have no one to blame, but the leering, seducing flare up of our own lust. We just listen to the devil's toilet talk, that, 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 that potty mouth, don't we? We have no one to blame. Man, we love to blame in our culture, don't we? I mean, are we, are we into blame or what? Blaming boomers and generation excusers? So much of modern psychology and, and, and secular therapy is all about blame. Oh, it's my parents. It's this situation. It's my, it's my coach. You know, uh, my diapers are on too tight. My nursery was painted the wrong color. Blame, blame, blame. It's just a sexy way to do what Adam did back in the garden because when God confronted Adam about his sin, what did he say? She did it. It's her fault. We have this bent to, to blame, and it, and it comes from this evolutionary mindset that says we're just animals. We're just dogs. We're, we, we, we just drink out of the toilet. That is what we do. So have some fresh toilet water. <laughs> Tantalize, plagiarize, and then there's one more in this path. It's simple, just, just three steps. Vandalize. Jesus said, here's the devil's strategy to kill to steal and to destroy. This is very simple, John 10. Kill, steal, destroy. Kill, steal, destroy. To kill us, to destroy us, to take us out. How does, how does this happen? Well, he steals from us sexually because our sexuality is who we are. It's a Trinitarian thing. It's, it's a deep thing. It's an all-encompassing thing. He steals that from us through this God-given desire that's gone haywire. He kills marriages and kills humans and, and kills relationships and, 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 and kills children. He steals, he kills, then he destroys. And it does not take someone with a Harvard MBA to realize the destruction that's taking place in our culture and our world today because of sexual sin. Once we get a handle on our desire, that is when God will take us to places we never dreamed imaginable. So it's time to go, you know what? I'm not gonna be taken to the toilet through tantalized, through being plagiarized, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm not gonna be vandalized anymore. I'm going to go the way that God wants me to go. And in verse 15, Wow, lust gets pregnant and has a baby, sin. Sin grows up to adulthood and becomes a real killer. That's the sin cycle, the cycle of death. We start off with lust just accidentally. Then it becomes a recreational thing. We, 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 we kind of get intentional about it. And then from there it becomes obsessional. It's like a young lady that I talked to several hours ago who attended one of these services. Very successful. Her marriage has been devastated and dominated 
by lust and pornography. And she said, you know what? It transcends everything in our lives. There is no sin like sexual sin. It's all-encompassing. It takes control. It's a Trinitarian thing, a mind, soul, and body thing. In reality, it's our search for oneness. The Trinity, the Holy Trinity is about oneness, right? Three in one, one in three. A man and woman joined together in marriage, you've got oneness in sexual activity in the marriage bed. People who are drinking large, tall glasses of toilet water are in search of oneness. This, this might sound odd to you, but it's the closest thing to God that many of them will ever get. Oneness. Oneness. Come on, are you, are you drinking toilet water? Are you going to tell me through the trashy romance novels, through these sitcoms, through, through these comedians who laugh at lust and porn and deviant sexual activity, you're going to tell me you're drinking toilet water? Hey, God, yeah, man, you're going to tell me that you are robbing God and robbing your body that is your spouse's body by, by drinking toilet water? Some of you are sick and don't even know it. Some of you are near death in your marriage and in your family and in your career. You don't even know it. It's time to close the lid, to dump the water out, and to do it God's way. Boy, Ed, what's God's way? I'll tell you what God's way is. It's to make a covenant with your eyes and with your mind. I believe the book of Job, chapter 31, verse 1, here's what Job said. I've made a covenant with my eyes. The Bible calls the eyes the windows of our soul. I've made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at another person. So when I talk about lust, I can't say it's about you. You can't say it's about me. When I talk about lust, it's about what? Us. I, though, because of God, because of his power, can make a covenant with my eyes and my mind. What did I do with the beautiful girl? I made a covenant with my eyes. I took my sunglasses off. I wanted Lisa to see my eyes. I wanted this young lady to see my eyes. I looked at her in the eyes. Obviously, I saw that she was beautiful. I felt the tug, the pull toward the toilet. But I thought to myself, you know what? My body is God's. My body is Lisa's. I'm not going down this path. Yeah, it could quench my thirst for that sexual hit, but I'll become sick. And eventually destruction is in the cards. And I got to ask you, have you, have you made a covenant with your eyes and your mind? Because those who are obsessed with lust started out recreationally and kind of accidentally, and then, then you're hooked into it. So those who are obsessed with it, and we have many now who are addicted to it, it's not like you said, wow, it just, it just happened. No, we have made the choice to go there. But I gotta ask you, how's it working for you? I mean, how is lust working for you emotionally, ladies? 
How's it working for you, physically or mentally, guys? How's it working for you, really? Is it, is, is it really satisfying you? Is it really giving you that, that real quench, that real, real satisfaction? But it always says more and more and more toilet water and more toilet water. We gotta, we gotta mobilize our eyes and our brains because sex is between the ears before it's between the legs. It's mental before it's in a genital. We also have to realize something. We have to realize that we are made in God's image and that we're not animals. We've got to realize this. We've got to realize where lust leads. Lust is all about laziness. Think about pornography. I get into porn. I don't have to work on a relationship called marriage. I can just Close the door, hop online, and see all of this illicit stuff. It's lazy. Also, it'll lead to loneliness. It always leads to, to isolation. So what do we do? We've got to be intentional. We've got to get up and commit to purity. We've got to drag lust into the light because when lust is, is drug into the light, it loses most of its luster. Instead of isolation, we've got to move to community within the church because the church, the church is the only one, the only entity that has living water on tap. We've got to be in accountability. We've got to talk about these things because if we keep secrets, as someone told me just a couple of days ago about lust, our secrets will keep us. And the enemy says, oh, you're the only one who struggles with this. Hey, you're the only lady. If people knew what you dealt with, if people knew where you went and websites you frequented and what relationship you're thinking about or involved in, they wouldn't believe it. Hey, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Call Satan a liar. Drag it out into the light. Move toward community. Drink the living water. Next time, I'm going to talk to those of us who are married about the role that we play in lust. I'm going to talk to singles, as I always do. Man, we can't forget the singles. Half of our church happen to be single adults. But I'm going to talk directly to those of us who are married. And I want you to prepare for what I'm going to talk to you about next Sunday. Because next Sunday, the title of my talk this is highly controversial, but it's very biblical. The title of my talk is Seven Days of Sex. If you're married, I'm going to challenge you. I can't make you, but I'm going to challenge you to have sex with your spouse for seven straight days, beginning next Sunday. <laughs> now, for Lisa and I, it's just a normal week, but... Uh, you know I'm kidding. You know I'm teasing. But we're going to talk about that. But, 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 but don't jump to conclusions before you hear what I'm going to discuss about that. So singles, make sure that you're here as well because it is going to be a very, very interesting talk as we talk about seven days of sex. You know, everybody's whining about the economy and about the world. Let's move from whining to whoopee, okay? <laughs> That's what we're going to do next time. But you know what? 
God has given me. God has given me the ability to leverage lust and leverage desire for greatness. I don't bat a thousand every time. Don't sit there and think, oh, Ed's, Ed's the ultimate. He's perfect. He, no, 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 no. We're all fellow strugglers. But I'm telling you, if God can give me the strength, which he has done and which he is doing and which he will do, he can do it for anybody here. Because in that situation, and that could have easily gone to lust, I had an opportunity to go to Las Vegas, but because of this place of grace that, that God led me to, because of the covenant I've made with my eyes and my brain, because I realized what's at stake, I had victory over that. And you can have victory too. That's what's so awesome about it. No matter what you've done, no matter where you are, you can have victory too. And that's the hope and the confidence that we have of walking in purity. Because as we walk in purity, God will bless us like we've never experienced before. But the choice, I gotta say this, is up to you and me. We either drink toilet water, we're either animals, dogs in heat, or we drink the living water of Jesus. We realize who we are and whose we are. We realize that we're the sons and daughters of the living Lord. That is some awesome news. Thank you for listening and thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com. There you can also be resourced with bonus content for free, including a daily devotional. We also encourage you to share the message today with those around you. Thank you again for listening. God bless.